God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this fifth Sunday after Pentecost. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. A mother went into her son's bedroom on Sunday morning to make sure he got up out of bed and was ready for church. I'm not going, he replied. Yes, you are going, so get out of that bed, his mother demanded. Give me one good reason why I should go, said her son. I'll give you three good reasons. One, I'm your mother, and I say you're going. Two, you're 40 years old, so you're old enough to know better. And three, you're the pastor, so you need to be there. Well, I moved out of my house when I was 18, but still I know how that pastor feels. Sometimes Sunday morning rolls around and it's hard to get out of bed. I feel like I need more rest. We all feel that way sometimes. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sounds great. We've been working hard. Even during this pandemic. For some of you, it's been harder working from home. Or, you know, maybe you've been watching grandkids during the day. We've we've been working hard trying to be the, the best spouse, the best parent, the best grandparent, the best employee, the best student, the best retiree. Yet it feels like we should be more. We should have spent more time with family, although that's harder to do right now. Uh, But even during normal times, we feel like it's never enough. Or before COVID, you felt you should have been home more. I could have done better with this or that. We all learn to work to gain the approval of parents, teachers, bosses. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. For we have been working hard or have worked hard and are in need of rest. Sounds great. But two questions come up. What sort of rest does Jesus give? And what sort of rest do we need? Is it the rest we get with an extended Weekend to barbecue, drink, swim, and light fireworks? Is it the sort of rest which comes from a family vacation? Is it simpler than that? Just the rest that comes from sleeping in? That's one of my favorite types of rest. Those are kinds of rests, and I'm betting none of us would complain about an extra day off of work even when you're retired, right? You know, a day off from doing the regular routine, you know, might seem like a kind of rest to you. Work wears us out. Routine wears us out. And I'm also betting this routine of being in a stay-at-home order is wearing us out. I know I'm, I'm feeling something wearing on me. But again, is this what Jesus is talking about? Well, probably guessed it already. Not entirely. Not completely. In fact, he's mostly talking about another kind of rest because well, you don't have to have Jesus in your life to get a day off, do you? To understand more about what he's talking about, 
we take a closer look at the sort of person to whom Jesus promises to give rest to. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Well, we understand the labor part of that, don't we? We all get the work part of Jesus' invitation. The nature of our lives on earth involves work, even if you're an academic, right? And have never done an ounce of manual labor in your life. Your work is in your brain, your mouth, your reading, your writing. It's what we do as humans. Work the ground, work the pen, the keyboard, work pages in a book, work the appliances, work the machinery, work, work, work. Everyone labors, as Jesus called. But he promises to give rest to those whose work, who works and are heavy laden. And he's not just talking about being physically exhausted. When Jesus promises to give rest, it's to those whose work has caused them to be heavy laden. Burdened in conscience, in heart and mind. That's what it means to be heavy laden, to know the work of, well, to know the work the law of God demands and commands from you. And at the same time, to know that you've been unable to do it perfectly or to satisfy God's requirement. I mean, if you're married, it's one thing to know what the work of marriage demands. Or if you're a child, right? To know what the work of being a child demands. To please your parents or a student or someone who works for a business which demands productive results from you. We all know what the demands are, right? It's one thing to know all that and know your shortcomings will one day catch up with you. That's one sense of being heavy heavy laden. But it's another thing to know what the law of God demands from you. You know what the commandments are. You know what the commandments ask of you, right? You do. You remember Sunday school, right? It wasn't that long ago, was it? I know how clever you all were, too. I know how clever you were. When your Sunday school teacher asked you to list the Ten Commandments in any order, you answered six, three, five, four, eight, Seven, ten, one, nine, and two. Very clever. Let's just remember what the first one is. Commandment number one. God says you shall love no other gods but him. It's his command, which is nothing else than good and wise, and his desire for you and me. Why is it then We can't keep it. It's why you and I are heavy laden in our conscience. We are the people to whom Jesus promises to give rest. He promises to give rest to people whose consciences are burdened by what we have done and by what we have left undone. He promises to give rest to people who know They justly deserve God's present and eternal consequences for their sin, cheaply having some other gods in life. You know, 
whatever they those things are, whatever they or whom they might be. We only need to turn to the Apostle Paul for an example. I don't understand my own actions, Paul says. I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. We can relate with Paul, can't we? Try as we might, we cannot keep the law either. Paul goes on, though. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, flesh, for I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And what were those things Paul was doing? We don't know. He keeps that a private matter, doesn't he? I mean, we, we know what he used to do. You know, he used to have Christians dragged out of their homes by their hair, thrown into the streets, beaten, and then thrown in prison. But he's way past all that, years past all that, when he writes here to the Christians in Rome. He's got other burdens going on in heart and mind. Likewise, we've got private matters when it comes to sin. And when it comes to the first commandment, it's not always private. We can wear t-shirts that promote our favorite social cause or propagate political propaganda on social media and say, oh, I'm thinking of God while I'm supporting this or that or standing up for this or that, it falls short of the requirement to love our God, our Father, above all things, though. Whatever you're doing, it's not enough. Paul wants to do the law of God and finds day after day he can't. How does a sinner, by the way, like Paul, get to have books in the Bible written by him? You know, 140 years ago, the people who started this church named it after him. A man whose conscience is heavy laden with his sin. He has no choice but to say, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Wouldn't we want our church named after some saintly person who never did anything wrong? who love the Lord with all their heart and all their mind and have no other gods? That's who you want your church named after. You know, the kind of person you think you'd find in a church. One who works hard following the law and obeys it to the letter. One who's not heavy laden. Where is this person? If he or she were here, he would not be a person whom Jesus promises to give rest. It's people such as you and me, Jesus says, take my work as your work. Take the work I am doing to fulfill my Father's will and have it as the work that you are doing. Take my life as your own, Jesus says. Let it be credited to you, credited to you, so that you might rest and not live in fear of the consequences of your sin. For that is my yoke. The law is my burden to pay, Jesus says. 
so that you might learn from me that I am gentle and lowly in heart, and so that you might find rest for your souls. Thanks be to Jesus. He gives you and me that rest. Not hammocks on the 4th of July weekend type rest, though we need that too, but true rest for the soul, which then gives peace to a burdened conscience. We don't have to live under the law of 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, terror under the weight of the commandments. Jesus takes all that weight off of you and died on the cross and rose from the grave. What he wants to give you is the gift of life that he freely earned for you so that you might rest in him and that you would have peace in him rather than the other gods well, that we put our trust in for peace of heart and mind. And I'll count this off by saying, if anyone here or, well, the 1045 service that will be listening in has ever considered worship on Sunday or any day more work to please God, then would you say going to church is simply another work to add to your burdens? I mean, who can pray without being distracted? Who can sing a hymn with the zeal of an angel? Who can listen to a sermon without hearing something and getting hung up on that one thing and missing the rest of the point of the message? Who can tithe enough and who can take the Lord's Supper with a perfectly clean heart? Who can do that? How absurd that those whose work is the source of their burdens would think worship is our chance to do enough work for God. I hope that's not you. But if it is, today is the day to let God flip it around for you and make this the place of the hour you're able to stop your work and rest while Jesus fulfills his promises for you. To you. Worship is where you bring your burdens from the weak and all the regret of falling short and not measuring up to the law and meet Jesus Christ and learn from him and receive from him the rest he promises to give. It comes in waves during the service. You receive the absolution, those sweet words of forgiveness from Jesus. You sing hymns and songs which testify to his love and grace for you. And us as the body of Christ pray to him knowing you're being heard and your prayers will be answered. They're, they're even answered before we go to him in prayer because, well, he knows our needs, right? We receive forgiveness in his supper. More rest, more rest for our souls. When we say this is a worship service, it's God serving us in it, in his words and sacraments. That, my friends, is the rest Jesus promises to give. So even while you work your jobs and earthly vocations, you'll always rest in him. Now, if you'll permit me, I think I'll end this now so I can get, can get close to the end and I can climb back into bed. <laughs> in the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds Christ Jesus.